missing our special music this morning, but we will continue on. So if you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and then put your thumb there, and also turn over to 2 Corinthians, just a few pages over hopefully, and you will be looking for chapter 9 there. We are talking this morning about everyone's favorite subject. I know that as a church, you can't wait for me to speak about giving and tithing. Like, that is something you look forward to every year, and you hope, man, let this be the week that he talks about giving. Okay, maybe not. Okay? And yet, as we, what we see in Scripture, what we see in Scripture throughout the Old Testament, whether we start with Abraham and his generosity and his giving heart, or whether we look at Moses and the law and how God sets up a standard for giving and, and kind of explains to the people of Israel, this is how ministry is to be done, this is how the temple ministry is to be done, or whether we see it in the lives of the good kings, how they uh, are, have this huge heart and are giving out of the ways that Lord, Lord has blessed them, or whether we see it out of Jesus Christ as he talks about being generous and helping others and supporting ministry, or whether we see it in Acts and the early church, what we see is that throughout scripture throughout scripture god's people are marked as generous god's people are marked as a giving people and that the ministry of god is done through that and so it would be irresponsible for us to not talk about that sometimes it'd be irresponsible for us to not look at it and it goes along with what we've been talking about for the last several weeks about being a healthy church what does it mean to be a healthy church? What are the characteristics, so to speak, of a church that is doing the things that God has asked us to do? And you'll remember a few weeks ago that we talked about what does it mean to be a good church member. And we said that there were some expectations there that we see in Scripture. And one of those expectations, the first expectation, is that we have truly converted believers who are biblically baptized and we've talked a lot about that over the the time that i've been here our second expectation is that they would show up that members should be here and that they should serve and participate along with the rest of us um, and in the last couple of weeks we've looked at what it means to fellowship together and we've looked at what it means to do discipleship and why those are important aspects of a healthy church and then the last expectation that we talked about was a giver that we should expect our membership to be made up of those with generous hearts. And we've talked about, when we talk about what a church looks like, that we express generosity and hospitality. And so this morning, as we look at giving, I want you to remember that this is, this is not something that we do to try to guilt trip or try to make compulsory, but rather it's something that we do because the Word of God speaks very clearly of it and because it should be a reflection should be a reflection of who we are as God's people, who we are as ones that have received so much ourselves. And so I hope that as we read scriptures, I hope that as God unfolds his word before us, that we will remember those things this morning. All right, hopefully by now you found Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you would stand with us this morning, if you're able so that we may honor the reading of God's word, then we will do that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 4, and then we'll skip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. 
On the first day of every week, each of you is to put up something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that we, there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go, they will accompany me. And then flip over to Corinthians now, or Second Corinthians now, chapter 9. Paul says this. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them, but I am sending the brothers so that your boasting, that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, not to say, not to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exactation. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of the contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And Lord, this morning... Lord, we stand before you as a people, a people that have been blessed, a people that many of us have known your grace in our lives, have known what it means to have a saving relationship with you, a people that as a whole would say that you have blessed us beyond our understanding, and as we look around a world that we have more than we could ever possibly need. And yet, Lord, we look at your scripture this morning, Lord, and we must compare it to our hearts. Let us look in the mirror of your scripture and to see what you see and to do the things that would, that would best reflect who you are. Lord, change in us, do in us the things that we cannot do. Make us into the image of Christ. Lord, may our giving be a reflection of that as well. Father, I pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Before we get too far down the trail here, we probably need to take a quick look at what 
what is Paul talking to? Paul, Paul is obviously referring to a situation, a context in which he is speaking into in this passage. There's something going on, both in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And the, the thing that has happened is that in Jerusalem, the church and, and the whole area has fallen under hard times. And many are, are suffering from famine and from other things, from persecution. And Paul has led the charge among the churches uh, of, Asia, of Asia Minor, so Greece and what we now know as Turkey and, and other places. He has led the charge for those churches to take up an offering so that they may send it back to Jerusalem and support those folks. It's a, an incredible picture of what, what the church is to do globally, not just locally. And as he is conveying this to the, the people at the church of Corinth, he is, he is expressing to them how this should happen. And it is a good picture for us this morning to remember some things about giving, to understand biblical giving in that context and to understand how we are to approach it. The first thing that we see in this passage, the first thing that we should notice is that giving is a corporate act. It's a corporate act. We do it together as a church, just as we described this morning with, uh, with our kids, that it's not something that we do individually, though certainly that happens from time to time, but we can accomplish much more as a group. But that comes with some things. That comes with some things that are going on. First, we see that he commands them, he tells them that it should be at a regular time. It should be at a regular time. If you look there in Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians 16, you'll notice that in verse 2 he says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. So every week, there was an expectation that every week, everyone was to bring something and lay it aside for the larger gift that the church would give. And so we understand today that it speaks to us today that we are reminded that we should be regular in our giving. It should not be happen chance. It should not be just when we remember it, but rather it should be something that happens on a regular basis. Now, this is not saying here that you should, if you get paid every other week or that you get paid once a month and you decide that's when you're going to give your offering, that you should go to your offering and, and cash it out and split it up every week and give it once a week. Okay, we're not saying that how God decides and you and God decide to do that is between you and the Lord, but it should be on a regular basis. Why is that important? Why is that important? It's important because we need the consistent reminder. We need the consistent reminder. That of what the Lord is doing in our life. We need the consistent reminder that he is the one who supplies all of our needs. That he is the one that is giving us our daily sustenance. And when we don't practice regular giving, when we don't practice regular worship through giving, we tend to forget that. We tend to, to not value the things that he has given us. So regular giving at a regular time is important. Second, notice that it comes with accountability. It comes with accountability. He says there in the end of the passage that we read in 1 Corinthians that they are to collect everything and then they are to choose some. They are to choose some who are going to go by a letter to carry the gift to Jerusalem. And then he says, oh, and by the way, 
if you think that I should go with them, then I will. So there's a sense of accountability here, okay? There's a sense of accountability in that the church was to be careful with these gifts that they had collected to make sure they weren't misused. And so they're to find some people, to find some individuals, more than one, to to gather together, and then the church was going to accredit them, basically. They were going to give them a letter so that then they could carry out the task with which they had been given. But here's the other thing. We not only see accountability in the sense that we're careful with the gifts that are been given, but we see accountability in just the sense that we give what we promise. You see, you and I have a tendency to make promises and then never to fulfill them. You have, we, have a pro, we have a propensity to make pledges and then to not follow through. It's something like, uh, and uh, my friend Oren is here, he could probably correct me on this, but it's something like when you do a pledge campaign and you raise funds for whether it's a non-for-profit or a church or whatever it meant, means you should look at the pledges that are sent in and realize that you're only going to get probably 70 to 80 percent of that total. You're never going to collect all of it because people just forget. It's also why gift cards are like the most wonderful thing for stores because they know that people are going to buy these gift cards, they're going to give the gift card, and then the receiver of the gift card is going to go, oh, that's so wonderful, thank you, I always wanted to go to whatever store you bought them a gift card to, and then they're going to tuck that card in their pocket, and next winter they're going to find it, by which time they realize that the gift card has expired. And so they love gift cards because gift cards are a promise, a pledge of something that almost often is not fulfilled, at many times is not fulfilled. And so there's a sense of accountability when we give corporately, because as Paul makes clear in the beginning of chapter 9, he's sending people ahead He's sending brothers ahead to say, hey, remember you made this pledge. Remember you made this commitment. Let us keep it. Let us not fall short of what we said we would do and thus bring shame not only on Paul but on ourselves and ultimately on Christ. Let's do what we said. So there's a sense of accountability as it becomes a corporate act. Lastly, one of the things that we see here when it comes to being a corporate act Not only is it at a regular time, not only is it done with accountability, but it's done by leadership and with forethought. It's done by leadership and with forethought. Notice here that the Corinthians just didn't roll out of bed one day and decide, oh, we need to give to the people in Jerusalem. No, they had been guided there by the leadership of the church, in this case, Paul. Paul was in a a unique position that he was able to see a need that other churches couldn't see. Most churches may not have known or been able to know at this time that there was a need in Jerusalem, but Paul was. And so Paul, through the prompting of the Spirit, directs the churches to give in this way, to take their resources and combine them so that they may support other saints in the ministry of God. In the same way, We as a church submit to leadership, whether it's Southern Baptist or whether it's local leadership, we too submit to leadership or should submit to leadership that says this is the way that God is directing us. This is the way we believe that we should be using our resources, whether it's through the IMB or through NAM. My question to you would be this morning, where do you think we should send a missionary? How many of you have done the research and know exactly what countries are most in need of the gospel? Well, many of you would look at me and say, 
I've got no idea. I have no idea where I should send a missionary. I don't know where we should best use our resources. And so it's good that we have leadership that we're able to trust to say, this is where we see the need. Let's, let's go here. And so it's done by leadership. It's also done with forethought. It's not happen chance. <clears throat> it always kind of makes me laugh when uh, I, I call it the offering lean. But you have a special speaker here, or we have someone here, and we, we do an offering for them. And it's obvious there is no forethought to that because the whole church shifts. All the men shift to one side to reach for a wallet, except for those of us that carry it in the front. But we all, we all do this lean because there's no forethought. There was no previous act. And that's not, not saying that it's a bad thing. <clears throat> but as a rule, as a general guideline, when we give, it should be done with forethought. It should be done with planning. It should be done with consultation with the Spirit and with guidance from the Lord. Not just happen chance, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we hope we make it. But rather, there should be a process. And in thinking about forethought and thinking about how we make that process, let's go to our next point. Our next, I, our next thing here is that not only is... Not only is giving a corporate act, but giving is a personal decision. Yes, it's a corporate act. Yes, we come together as a church and we pool our resources so that we may accomplish by the grace of God what we could not accomplish on our own. But it is also a personal decision. You'll notice with me going back to 1 Corinthians that he says there, as they're talking about collection, he says, on the first day of the week, each of you shall put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. As he may prosper. Our, uh, my pastor growing up used to put it this way. He said, we are, not called, we are not called as individuals to give equal gifts. We are called to give equal sacrifice. We understand that there are those in our midst, who are struggling with finances, struggling with different things. We understand that those making $100 a week are not going to be able to give the same as those that are making $100,000 a week. It's just not doable. And yet that's not a concern of the Lord's. It's not the concern of Paul here that we all give the same, that we all carry our weight, so to speak, but rather, the concern here is that you give as you may prosper. Now, certainly there is a sense of the physical where we are to give according to the physical things that God has entrusted us with. But in the same sense, we should understand that we have all prospered greatly. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have experienced salvation, you have prospered beyond all understanding and so it goes beyond just the physical things that he has given us. It goes into much more. So it's a personal decision because it's as he prospers. Paul makes that clear. But it's also a per personal decision in the sense that Paul says, as he has decided in his heart, going back to First Corinthians or Second Corinthians now, he goes, he goes on there and he says that we are to give, to give as he has decided in his own heart. That we as individuals are to 
carry through with the, the decision that we have made with the Lord. But what does that require? If there was a decision made that this is what we would give, this is how we would show gifts to the Lord, then there must have been something that preceded that and that, perce- that what precedes that is a decision, as a, is a conversation with the Lord. A conversation with the Lord. What would you have me to do? I was reading this week Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines, and he puts in there that we should be asking the question differently than we've always asked it. We should not be asking the question, what of mine should I give to God? But rather, we should be asking the question, what of God's should I keep? Makes it a whole, totally different conversation at that point. What of God's, what have, of His should I be keeping? Because then it's like, hmm, do I really need that? Do I really need this? It changes the question completely. But that conversation needs to happen. And it's a personal conversation. I can't, I can't walk into your life and say, here, do this. I can't, can't have that conversation for you. I can't direct you in a path there. That must be between you and the Lord. You must spend the time with Him. You must read the Word. You must pray. You must walk alongside Him and allow Him to answer this question in your heart. For you to come to a place where you say, this is what I will give. We see it in the New Testament. We see it in Acts. In the early church, there were many who were selling everything. They, they had come to hear the gospel. They had been changed. Their lives had been turned upside down. And in the spirit of what God had done for them, they were selling everything and so that none would have need. They were living together and having, sharing everything in common. But there was one couple, there was one couple that decided that's not what they were going to do. And we get the story of this couple and they come before the Lord and they, or they come before the church and they put this gift in front of the church and they say, we sold all that, we sold our land and this is, this is everything that we got from that. But the reality was it wasn't. It wasn't everything that they had gotten for the land. In fact, it was only a portion of it. And Peter calls them out and says, hey, we didn't require you to sell this. We didn't force you to sell the land. We didn't tell you that you even, if you did sell the land, that you had to give 100%. This is completely between you and God. Why have you lied this morning? And immediately, the husband drops dead. And then the wife comes in, and she lies about as well, and she drops dead as well. And the church learned a great deal about church discipline that morning. But the reality is, is that the, the point that Peter was making is, we're not compelling you to do anything. We're not, we're not forcing you to do anything. There is no standard that we're saying, this is what you must meet. But rather, it is a personal discussion. Your giving, your offering is a personal decision between you and the Lord and what He is doing in your life. What He is doing in your life. Now, if you say, if you sit there and you go, I, I have no idea where to even begin. I have no idea where to even begin. Then, then we look at the Old Testament. And then we say, okay, start with the tithe. Start with the 10%. And some of you will say, well, I can't do that right now. Okay. If you need to support your family and, and you're putting a roof over their head and you say, I just can't, we can't do that right now, then build up to that. But make it a decision between you and the Lord. Pray about it. Ask him. 
This is the one place where he says, test me on this. See if this doesn't, see if I don't bless you. So it's a personal decision. One, as we may prosper. Two, as, he is, as we decide in our heart, as we go to the Lord. And then thirdly, thirdly, not reluctantly. Look there at 9, chapter, verse 7. Chapter 9, verse 7 there in 2 Corinthians. As we just said, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. It's a personal decision. It is also a personal attitude. We should come to giving not reluctantly. We should come to giving not feeling under compulsion, but rather we should come to giving with a heart of gratitude, with a heart of cheerfulness saying, this is all the Lord's. I can't wait to see what he does with it. I think of it this way too. I think of with my mom and dad with my mom and dad, and when it comes to Christmas time, even even when I was a child, but even more now, as I understand more of what they did for me. When it comes to Christmas time, I always like, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to get them, and you're like, oh, this would be great. And, and you're like, man, I wish I could do more. I wish I could do more. Like, I wish I could, I wish I could pay off my mom and dad's house. I wish I could send them to the vacation of their dreams. I wish, I wish I could give them the world because they did so much for me. In the same way, we should approach the Father who has given us breath in our lungs, who has died so that we can have a relationship with Him, so that we can live forever. We should come to the Father and say, what more could I do? I wish I could do more. We come as a cheerful giver. We should come wanting to do our best, wanting to do our everything. Now, I want to point out here quickly, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want to point out quickly, it does not say that God demands a cheerful giver. Okay? It doesn't say that God demands a cheerful giver. It says that he loves a cheerful giver. Let me, th- let me put it in this context. We know we're to read our Bibles, right? We know we're to spend daily time with him. And we should come to that how. We should come to that looking forward to the word of God and looking forward to how he will satisfy our souls reading the word of God. But let me ask you this question. Do you wake up every morning and put your feet on the ground and say, I can't wait to read the Bible this morning. My daily reading in Leviticus, let's get it. God's going to show me great things today. I'm excited. No, we don't always do that, do we? Sometimes our feet hit the floor and we go, I need coffee. Okay, we understand that. Does that mean that if we're, we wake up that morning and we're not excited about the word of God that we shouldn't read it that day? Absolutely not. That would be ludicrous. Same way with prayer. If we come to pray, we should come to it excited about getting to have a conversation with the God of all creation. We should come to prayer excited about talking with the guy who has it all and can do all and who loves us and has already proven that. And yet there are times that we come to prayer and our prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling. And we think, why? (laughs) Is this being heard? When we feel like that, should we stop praying? Should we cease and say, I'll pray when I feel like it? Absolutely not. 
In the same way, we are called to be cheerful givers. We're called to be givers who are ready to give everything. We're called to be givers who are reminded all the time of all that Christ has done for us and want to give more. And yet, there are times when life gets hard and we don't know how we're going to make ends meet and we don't know what this and that and that and that. Should we stop giving? Should we say, I'll give when I feel like it? Absolutely not. We're called to do it. We're called to be obedient in this area. So while he loves a cheerful giver, and we should strive for that, and we should desire to be that through the grace of God, we should also understand that there will be times when you just don't feel like it. Obey anyway. So it's a corporate act. It's a personal decision. But it comes with eternal blessings. It comes with eternal blessings. Look here with me at chapter 9, verse 10 through 11. And actually, we may slip a little farther into that. But it says, He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving in God. When... We give, God blesses. And this is really true for obedience in general. When we obey, God blesses us. It doesn't always mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean always that our life gets better, but he continues to bless us through different ways. And before we get too far on this, understand, and we have talked about this a multitude of times, that it doesn't mean that if you give 50 bucks in the church offering plate this week that there's going someone's going to pay off your mortgage next week okay this is not this is not prosperity gospel we're not saying if you put a little in here this is not the lottery okay you don't buy a ticket and go okay this is something where god returns to us blessing but many times that blessing is worth far more than anything he can give us earthly but it is an eternal blessing through his imparting of righteousness on us through the expanding of Christ's image in us through joy of giving, through the satisfaction of being part of kingdom work that's going to last for an eternity. All of those things are added into that. Now, that being said, there is truth in the idea. We see it here with Paul that when we are generous, God tends to give us more so that we can be more generous. It's just the reality. That if we are generous, and we see it in the picture of the talents, don't we? That God gives these, this money to servants, the, 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 the Lord gives this money to the servants, and the servants that do with it what they are supposed to, the servants that use that gift, use those talents, for the betterment of others, including the Lord, are given more. They're entrusted with more. And Paul makes the same reference here. He says, the one who gives seed, he's going to give more. So that your righteousness, so that your generosity can continue. At the very least, we can understand and know that he's going to meet needs. So we understand that when we give, he blesses. We also understand that when we give, there is thanksgiving. There is thanksgiving. Look at verse, starting in verse 12 with me. For the ministry, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also the overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. We're going to stop there. It's not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is the overflowing of thanksgivings to God. 
when we give, needs are met. And that's good. It's good when needs are met. It's good when we're able to feed those who have no food. It's good when we're able to put clothes on those that need it or or put a home over someone's head or support our missionaries who are all over the world. It's good that those needs are met. But Paul says that's not the only thing that happens. What also happens is that great thanksgiving is given. Thanksgiving is given to God ultimately for what he has done and how he has met their needs. But thanksgiving is also given for God, how God is acting in us. Go on to read verse 13 there. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession in the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. What Paul is saying here is that when we give and people receive that gift, they look at us and they see the gospel, they see what God has done in us, and they give thanksgiving and worship to God that he is working through us and working in us. We as believers should be a people marked by generosity. The world should see that and wonder. The world should see that and desire it so that the name of the Lord may be praised, so that there may be great thanksgiving. Last last thing here. When we give, we are reminded of his gift. Look there at verse 15. Paul spends this whole chapter, Paul spends this whole chapter talking about the gift that these people are going to give, talking about how they are to give, talking about the attitude with which they are to give, talking about the manner with which they are to give, talking about the worship that's going to be produced when they give. And at the end of it, he says in verse 15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, exclamation point. When we give, we are reminded ultimately of his gift. When we give, we are reminded of his gift. We cannot be generous people without seeing how others have been generous to us. So often, it's, it's where the pay it forward thing came from. The idea of if we're generous to someone, that they'll be generous to someone else. We have been given much, brothers and sisters. He, he died for us. He gave us eternal security that can never, ever be taken away. He gave us hope in a world that is desperately searching for hope. He gave us peace in times when peace doesn't make sense. He's put us in a church family and in a community where we can support one another and love one another and do ministry together. It's a remarkable thing. And when we have the opportunity to give back to him, we are reminded of all of those things. We are reminded of all of those things. And we it brings our heart to worship. This is why... We talk about in service that that worship, that the act of offering or taking up the offering is an act of worship. It's not simply a thing that we do on Sundays. It's not simply a, a pattern that we go through. But there's an act of worship as we give the gifts that he has asked us for. 
I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up, and they're just going to lead us in a time of response. And I would just ask this morning, I would ask this morning, have you had these conversations with the Lord? Have you had these conversations with the Lord? Have you asked him, what is it that you would have me to keep? And the rest I'll give to you. Have you asked him to lead you in this area? As you have asked him to lead you in other areas. We've talked many times about how we ask him to lead us in the area of gifts and talents. And how we use those inside the church. And, and that's good and we should be doing that. And this is part of that. How do we use the physical gifts, the physical blessings that he has bestowed us how we use those inside of the church as well it's a personal discussion but it's a discussion that we all need to have and let me say this too as a word of encouragement this is one of the most generous churches <laughs> generous churches that i've ever seen and i praise the lord for you guys every day i never worry about meeting lottie moon goals or uh, this or that never worry about when I ask hey we need to do this like you guys are an incredibly generous church but only you know as an individual if you are a part of that or not so I just ask use this time to search your own heart to find out where the Lord's leading you find out where he is speaking to you on this and then just follow him in it and see if he doesn't lead you to some incredible things let me pray with you and then we'll, we'll respond Father, we thank you for all that you've given us. We thank you for the way that you love us, the way that you watch over us. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us in to the kingdom of God. You invite us into the family of God that we may be able to work alongside you, that we may be able to be used as tools and vessels in your grand plan. Lord, that you have, in your wisdom, entrusted us with with treasures that you have entrusted us with resources so that then we may get the pleasure and the experience of using those things and watching you take them and do grander things than we could ever imagine father i pray this morning this is this is a personal topic it's not a topic that we love talking about it's not a topic that we feel comfortable with especially in in our western culture but Father, I pray that today that your word would hit home with some of us, that your word would hit home with all of us. Lord, that we would take a good look at how we are using those resources and that we would desire to give you more, that we would desire to give you what you want us to give, not what we just make a decision of, but that we would follow you in obedience. Father, take this time and do with it what only you can. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.